boner up real quick. Yeah. <laughs> I heard the Joker was going to show Gotham just how much damage his boner could do or something. <laughs> so have you guys have you guys heard of this thing where uh, Twitter will no longer um, give you like if you're a if you're an ex subscriber and you get payouts mm-hmm. and one of your posts gets like fact checked. Mm. Um, with the Twitter community note, mm-hmm. you, you you all of your payouts for that post get erased, so you don't get any money for the engagement on that post. And so people have been going around to like Mike Cernovich and uh, Ian Miles Chong, of course, and <laughs> and like community noting their posts so they get less Twitter payouts. It must just, be really easy note, too, just like putting any kind of fact check. Like um, Ian is a dum dum, or is it basically no? Like... You, it has to be like a real community note, but like if you get enough people to vote on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, yeah, so it's it's very, very funny. Yeah. Well, it's so funny because like Elon, Community Notes is one of the only features he actually put in there that's even halfway a good idea. Mm-hmm. But it's so funny that that's one of the things he implemented because you introduce any level of like consumer choice or like quasi-democracy on an internet platform and all the stuff he likes is going to get shot down immediately because it's the dumbest, most aggravating shit on the oh, website. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my favorite is all those like mobile game ads where you just get a, a giant note that's like, note, this gameplay is fake. The, the real gameplay is nothing like this. Here's mm-hmm. a YouTube video of the real <laughs> gameplay. Well, it's oh, like yeah. at, at least once a day, I get tagged in some bot that's like tweeting like drop about to happen. And then it tags like 45 fucking yeah, accounts. Yeah. And then if you click through to the tweet that it's retweeting, it has like 45,000 quote retweets. And if you thumb through the people quote retweeting it, it's just verified accounts that were all created like yesterday, mm-hmm. which means that like thousands of accounts on like Twitter premium are getting created every single day. To which I have to say, wasn't Twitter Premium initially launched with the justification that it would <laughs> kill the Twitter bots? So it for a while it did. For a while it did kill the Twitter bots, and then obviously it's always an arms race. So they the 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 spammers have figured out how to use the Twitter Premium. What they're mm. probably doing is putting the price of Premium on stolen credit cards or mm. something like that, and uh, they've figured out how to bot farm Premium Twitter accounts, but. I got to be honest, like I, I do hate Elon for a lot of things, but you know, I get like 40, 50 bucks every couple of weeks for my shit posts and I cannot <laughs> complain cool. about that. I've so, so far I've made back <laughs> the cost of Twitter premium. So I, I, I really can't complain. I, I love actually giving post- money away. It's like, is this what his big, like, here's how to make this company make a profit is give money to people for posting. Yeah, well, I mean, he's doing the combination of turn everything into a casino, essentially, where mm-hmm. you like gamble on how good your posts are. Sure. And then, or or like, you know, how favorable the algorithm is to them, how topical they are, whatever. But then also he's doing that thing where you run a loss leader product mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you you undercut the market and you just hemorrhage money for a long time. I, I, I think Uber did this for like eight years. They didn't make any fucking money. Yeah, that's why yeah, Uber yeah. is so expensive now. Mm-hmm. They're trying to and actually make that's, money. That's precisely what is a harbinger of the future, right? Like, so if Elon is allowed to just continue, or Linda Yaccarino, shut up, she doesn't exist. She's an AI chatbot. But um, (laughs) if the the X Corporation is allowed to continue doing things this way, they're eventually going to jack up the price of the subscription to like $30 a month. And then people are going to be on there trying to tweet like the same fucking drill ripoff shit from 2013 Mm -hmm. so they can make their 30 bucks back. And they're going to feel really fucking good about themselves when they spent 20 hours that week (laughs) making $9.50 on their $30 investment. (laughs) Well, but, what costs thirty dollars? Uh, is that how much the uh, premium is for a year? Well, no, that's just like eight, what they'll eight, jack it up to eventually. Right, I see. Yeah, I think yeah. it's eight bucks a month. I've made that many times yeah, yeah. over uh, at this point, but like, I guess it makes sense. Like a lot of people, there's I, a lot I of premium had, accounts that make that get no engagement, so they're probably all losing money. Mm. I already, yeah, I already had like forty thousand followers, yeah, uh, yeah, to begin with, so it's fairly easy for me. But um, all the like somebody has a hundred followers it's not worth buying twitter premium yeah, it's yeah. it's straight up a ponzi scheme right mm-hmm. like thank i'm lucky because i got in early and i shit posted my way you know to and i i see my fucking tweets getting reposted to like iFunny and reddit and somebody was like uh, hey you know reddit has this algorithm like apple photos now where if you just search a word it searches text within the photo. Oh, so cool. if you search your own us- username on Reddit, you can find if your tweets have ever been screenshotted and posted. Oh, 
even if they don't credit your actual username in text. That's fucking wild. Hold on. um, But but the funniest thing is when something gets screenshotted from Twitter, it filters its way through Reddit, iFunny, Mm -hmm. TikTok, picking up like five watermarks along the way and eventually just gets reposted back to Twitter. Just with all the water, with all the watermarks and the like JPEG artifact. It's yeah, the with best. like with I like one that. quarter as many pixels as it started yeah. with. Yeah, <laughs> all all sorts of just ugly artifacting, or whatever. It's like this it's is like such a better burnt sienna somehow. It's straight up so that like meme aggregator tweet Twitter accounts can can farm engagement. But it's like this is such a better experience than just retweeting the original tweet, isn't it? <laughs> That's so funny. I did the Reddit search thing. And even though I've seen plenty of my memes, I think it's because mostly my memes have been a hit on Facebook historically. But my mm-hmm. one banger tweet in here is Mark's failed to anticipate 90% THC concentrate. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't oh, affect yeah. the validity of his work or anything. He did, just didn't bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, facts. That's Absolute facts. <laughs> It's also, listeners, we want to wish you a th- happy Thanksgiving because it is Thanksgiving Eve. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's um, it's uh, the, the fucking uh, Max Headroom uh, incident uh, day. That's the fucking that holiday. Is that the, the night day it before happened? The Wednesday before Thanksgiving? Oh, that's yeah, awesome. yeah. Hell yeah. I love the Max yeah, Headroom I, uh, incident. That was in Canada, right? I think it was was it Chicago? Oh, okay. N- n- now you Canada. got me googling Max Headroom. <laughs> Can- Canada's uh, Chicago's basically Canada. Yeah, pretty. It's yeah, way, it's cold as fuck. It's windy. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, it wasn't necessarily Thanksgiving Eve. It was just November twenty second. Oh, okay. okay. So, well, for those who observe, Thanksgiving age. Eve, but yeah, yeah it, it was sh- it was Chicago. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I don't know where I got Canada from. Just the cold, I guess. Yeah, it's a cold city. <laughs> My family has effect. me making the pie for Thanksgiving this year. So I did, uh, I got all my work done beforehand, right? Mm-hmm. Wednesday afternoon, I'm cutting up apples. I'm laying out that pie crust. Oh my I'm, God. I'm, I'm, I got the saucepan. I'm, I got some brown Bam. sugar and butter and I'm just like making my pie filling. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know about you guys. I love brown sugar rather than just regular granulated sugar for apple pie filling. No, it's great. It's yeah. so good. Got to get that molasses flavor. It's like I usually try to contribute something to the Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners every year, but uh, I'm in school this year, so everybody has just like given me leeway to just kind of like show up wearing a potato sack and mm-hmm. eat my fill and leave. So yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited to just be like the fucking like deadbeat student at yeah. 32 in my family. <laughs> Sorry, I, I had a little bit of cranberry a, sauce. <laughs> I, I had a little bit of family drama, so like we still don't know who's showing up in my family. Family. Oh, weird. Like, I, I got one aunt who, uh, like, she's like, I don't like driving at night because I have cataracts. I'm like, I will literally That's pick fair. you up. I from, will literally smoke and- you out. I will get any <laughs> weed you need. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll pick you up. I'll drive you to Thanksgiving. And she's like, oh, uh, I, I already made other plans. I'm like, what the... What? What other plans? It's fucking Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, well, it's Sally, why don't you just tell me who you're mad at already? You're 65, <laughs> okay? Act your age. <laughs> oh, Use your words. Um, Maybe she just found really yeah. rocking plans. She's going clubbing or something. Well, that's like going to Thanksgiving at my dad's house is always wild because my dad's wife her mom is still alive and she's like a zillion fucking years old. And Hell every yeah. year there's, she has two daughters and every year there's this drama with this mom and she's arguing with her daughters and the daughters are arguing with each other. Not a one of these people is under 60. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> like grow up. What are you doing? <laughs> Imagine arguing with somebody in their nineties. You can just pick them up and put them in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a certain point of like you're 60 and somebody's 90 and you've been arguing with them for your entire life. Life. It's like, what could possibly change at this point? You're both sad in whatever you think. Yeah, the game is over. The, the, <laughs> yeah, scores yeah. Are, the scores are in. Like, you ever you ever play a video game and you're like 95% of the way through a level and you're like, I could just put the controller right down right now and nothing would happen. And <laughs> could, you put it win. down and you still complete the level and everything's good. That's what you should be doing. Yeah. Once you're over yeah. like 60, once you're over 60, anything that's a minor issue, you should just be like, I don't have to deal with this and walk away. I beat the game already. I'm just doing <laughs> yeah. this for the achievement if I want it. I don't care. Did you guys see that um, infographic that, that was going around Reddit that was like pages upon pages that looked like it was designed on Canva, but it had the, wa- I guess it had the watermark that they didn't even pay for Canva premium. Canva is <laughs> like a, a graphic design product. 
like sure. a SaaS product. And the graphic, the the um, infographic was all about ways to prove your conservative relatives wrong over Thanksgiving. Oh, nice. But, but, but it was all like Biden administration talking points. Oh, God. So it wasn't, it, it wasn't like, hey, uh, you know, Israel is literally doing ethnic cleansing in Gaza. It was, well, actually, if you look at this, like, very specific economic indicator, uh, Biden, Joe Biden actually saw slightly less inflation than the news is reporting. Mm. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. I mean, I remember these kinds of conversations from the last few years, because like, you'll always have somebody who's more conservative, somebody who's more liberal conservative sitting at the table and they'll be like, oh, actually, Biden is better for the economy. And they'll be like, oh, Trump is better for the economy. And then they'll remember like, oh, John, you like politics. You're a podcaster. What do you think? <laughs> and then you tell them your honest opinion. You say like, look, if I was locked in a room with Trump and Biden and a gun with one bullet, I'd fire it into the ceiling so I could strangle them both with my bare hands. <laughs> and after that, people don't ask you for your opinion anymore. Mm. So I don't know if that's my advice or what, but it yeah. worked for me. It's a pretty succinct <laughs> my, way to answer it. Yeah. yeah. My my family just starts starts beers at like eleven a.m. Yeah. So like by by and we all we it's, I've posted about this before. Everybody in my family, regardless of their political persuasion, agrees that the country and the greater world politically is run by reptiles that drink human blood from mm, children. Right. So what do we have to argue about, right? Like. You know, if yeah. you're working from that point forward, you don't worry. Don't worry about the other stuff. Don't worry about the nitty gritty. It okay? does kind like, of fit, fit, just just agree on the big picture. The it does people kind of, in, in charge are fucking evil. It kind of reduces it to like talking about like Game of Thrones or something yeah. where you're like, <laughs> did you see what Donald fucking Trump said? I swear to God, his head is getting cut off next season. <laughs> <laughs> We're almost at the end of the season. Something crazy is going to happen to that guy. Yeah. You know how they always like would flash to to the Night King, but never really give any exposition. That's just mm. like at the end of every month in American politics, you just get Trump like shuffling around Mar-a-Lago. Like, <laughs> what is he doing now? <laughs> no exposition, though. We don't get to find out. Not yeah. till the Rico case is over, I guess. <laughs> what's the What's the deal with that anyway? Is that still ongoing? I think his trial is happening currently. Yeah, I have not really been following the day to day breakdowns. They don't publicize it the way, like when Young Thug is in court, I get like press photos. I get like Twitter videos of him smiling at the camera. I get like announcements that new music is coming out. Donald Trump is doing none of these things. <laughs> well, with uh, with Trump in court, it's always just been a busy box for libs. You know, the, the TikToker who always starts his TikToks with, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh boy, Trump really fucked up this time. And Hello, then nothing, and you nothing, legends. Nothing happens. <laughs> Billy so it's, Mitchell it's, is at yeah. it again. <laughs> it's, it's literally just a fucking, it's a busy box for libs. Apparently some point. guy cried. Uh, it's, there's a CNN headline, former Trump org controller breaks down in tears on witness stand in fraud trial. Here, I'll send it to you guys in the, uh, in the chat. He wow. sounds like a bitch. Yeah, he's got a really goofy haircut. It looks like uh, his mom gave him a bowl cut. He's like an old man with a white mustache. <laughs> He looks like uh, Boris Johnson had a kid with a beaver or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> he looks like my elementary school music teacher, going to uh, be honest. He, oh, he, he looks the... like maybe the greatest session bass player of the 1970s. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he looks like he's in the bowling hall of fame. Yeah. <laughs> he looks they, like he has two liner credits on a Steely Dan album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> this guy looks like he got kicked out of Steely Dan for eating all the food at the craft services table. <laughs> yeah, he didn't call Michael McDonald sir. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Apparently it says he was, uh, before answering a question, he took a long pause, removed his glasses, and threw his arms in the air. Trump attorney... <laughs> Motioned to a court officer to bring him a box of tissues, and the ju judge uh, gave her a thumbs up. He apologized <laughs> for his emotional reaction, <laughs> flinging his arms in the air. I have a great idea. Let's have the guy whose hair looks like a helmet just throw a tantrum. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So oh, that's something fun. God. That just happened recently. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, welcome to Beep Beep Lettuce, everybody. You're a quarter of the way through the episode already. So um, I guess we should talk about something that's actually in our notes. Uh, there's a ceasefire happening. Oh, yeah. Um, 
which seems awfully late. <laughs> seems really late for a ceasefire. Um, definitely should have happened a long time ago. But Qatar, which is the negotiating party in the Israel-Hamas truce, uh, has announced that there is a hostages for hostages deal uh, where they both parties agree to a ceasefire. And I believe that Hamas is releasing 150... No, no, no. Um, yes. Clock will start ticking. Within a day, the clock will start ticking on the truce, during which 50 hostages will be released in stages in exchange for what Hamas said would be 150 Palestinian prisoners held by Israel. Those freed by both sides will be women and children, and the humanitarian aid to Gaza will also increase. So I've seen a lot of people trying to give like Joe Biden a lot of credit for this, saying like it was his leadership going <laughs> over Qatar. there. Is he the president of Qatar? And I didn't realize <laughs> that's why he's so sleepy all the time. He's like flying out to Qatar on weekends to hang out with oh, his second family. Wait, wait. Speaking of Biden, did you guys see that clip where they're doing like the turkey pardon thing where they pardon a turkey? No. And Biden, Biden just like he uh, very abruptly uh, turns and just shuffles off. Uh, oh, into the into the White House. That's his he, signature move. I love he, that. It's great. He shit, it, he shit his doo doo ass. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, he, did. he definitely. He, you know he shit his pants. He shit his britches. At the very least, he he pissed his pants, and he's wearing yeah. like three <laughs> layers of pants, and he's like, oh, got forty five <laughs> seconds before the cameras pick this up. I gotta get going. <laughs> <laughs> he should just be bold like Liam Neeson and just like have photographs taken of himself with pissed pants. Oh, but he man. did give us he did give us a, a very relatable clip, which is him shuffling off is exactly how I feel when the edible that I took kicks in too hard at yeah. Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. It yeah, also you, you want to take extra because you're like, I'm going to eat so much turkey. It's not going to work. Yeah. And it doesn't. Uh, it still works. <laughs> it kicks in right as your grandmother is explaining to you how they're going to revalue the Iraqi dinar. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is also funny watching this video because like um, people are pointing out he also did his signature weird jog thing that he does where he kind mm. of like doesn't run exactly, but he walks 5% faster and starts swinging his arms a little bit mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's like you got to imagine that whatever dr feelgood kind of like butt amphetamine injections they've been giving him <laughs> are like in full fucking swing today oh, yeah. they're like oh it's it's the day before turkey day we got to get the president some jazz hands well the thing with the, the turkey the turkey pardon is i've never really understood the turkey pardon in times of peacetime but in times of war, like what did these turkeys have to do to need a pardon from the president? Were the turkeys committing war crimes in Gaza? Yeah, I think <laughs> turkeys are just categorically criminals in American mm. society. And so like, you know, as long as they keep pardoning one every year, it allows us to justify that widespread racist belief that all turkeys commit crimes all the time. Mm -hmm. Some yeah, of them we are, were so concerned ones, about... We were mm -hmm. so concerned about Trump getting elected and pardoning his associates. We never stopped to think that <laughs> Biden might pardon his associates, who all happen to be turkeys. Yeah. Do you think Oh, he's like a, three turkeys in a Biden suit? And after he pardons <laughs> the turkey, the turkey just looks up at him and it kind of catches a glint in his eye. And it's like, wah, wah, and he kind of looks down and he's like. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't find the clip. I'm like looking at some clips of him pardoning, but they all seem to end before he walks off. I guess the lying news media is uh, denying us the facts. Did you guys talk about Xi Jinping's visit to San Francisco on no. the previous episode? No. No, we did not. That shit is kind of insane because, like, um, they basically, they did a pogrom on the homeless in San Francisco to oh, clean sure. up for Xi, Xi Jinping's visit, which is, that I think is the wildest thing to me because it's like, um, you know, you, you have these, uh, you know, municipal politicians gridlocked over... Uh, homelessness in the Bay Area, and all it takes is for a foreign leader to visit, for them to just you know do do a blanket solution for the entire thing. Well, and it's what did they do? Did they just like sweep them out, or did they put them in shelters? Or I don't really know. I think they may have put them up in like hotels or shelters or something. Uh -huh. um, but the question is, it's like, what's going to happen? You know, are they like, are they just going to ship them somewhere else? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So it says San Francisco streets underwent a cleanup. For example, homeless encampments were re relocated from around the Moscone Center, where many APEC events occurred. 
Um, so it looks like they just relocated the homeless settlements to outside of the like metropolitan area of the city. So I expect the the options that are left to them are to either leave them there or move them back. And either one of those is like not good and doesn't like the whole thing is not actually addressing the problem. They're just mm-hmm. like, look, G is going to be here. This guy literally his government eradicated extreme poverty in the most populous country in the world. So all these homeless people are going to make us look really bad. Could you guys come up with like a totally <laughs> not solution to handle this in the next like week? That would be mm-hmm. great. And apparently uh, she and, and Joe Biden discussed uh, the fentanyl crisis, okay. which um, that, but that, the thing is, it's like, it's kind of like the hot dog guy in uh, I think you should leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like uh, Joe Biden discussed it because it's just like, who's, who's, who's bringing the fentanyl in? Well, Come and it, I think the concern there is that it's often pointed out that China is a major producer of medical grade fentanyl. But here's the thing about medical grade fentanyl. It is a very, very, very useful clinical medicine that doctors need and has revolutionized the field of medicine in many regards. So the idea that like just because they legally, totally legally make a ton of this drug to distribute to medical facilities means that they're somehow culpable for how it gets handled and 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 misused and, and funneled into black markets in the United States. It's just fucking ridiculous. It, it would be like going to, uh, you know, the Middle East and blaming the people who farm poppies. Actually, that's a bad example because we did that. No, we so. didn't do that. Yeah. The other thing it's is like, yeah, there's in the U.S. Yeah. We just do the, it all. The thing is like, yeah, there's guaranteed there's corrupt people in China that are working with the corrupt people in the U.S. to mm-hmm. divert that medical grade fentanyl into the drug trade. Um, but the I think that at the end of the day, it's it's about how it's being distributed in the United States, right? Because there are these insane, huge distribution networks for these drugs. And it's also important to note that there are countries that have completely eliminated or in by, you know, for the most part, eliminated these illicit drug trades Mm -hmm. uh, in, in various ways, good and bad. Well, one of the, one of the biggest vulnerabilities, particularly for fentanyl, uh, but plenty of other drugs that are available um, that are typically used for medicine, uh, is that they are stored in large quantities in hospitals. And hospitals uh, are staffed by people who are not paid enough and worked to the bone constantly. And so even if you set aside the fact that like there's always going to be drug theft in any area where you store a bunch of drugs. That's just part of storing a bunch of drugs somewhere. Mm-hmm. But like even once you discount that, the rate at which people are going to be compelled to take things to sell them, take things to use, um, be sloppy about the check-in, check-out process, uh, do rushed inventories, um, you know, pencil whip a bunch of paperwork instead of actually taking the time because they don't have the staff or they don't have the money or they don't have the whatever. And because of all of our hospitals are run as private entities, it wouldn't surprise me if a bunch of like CEOs and board members and various, you know, uh, uh, managers and administrators were also figuring out a way to grift off of these things. So as usual, my solution, uh, my proposed best first steps for the solution to the fentanyl crisis would be to uh, pay healthcare workers enough and hire enough of them to keep good track of the drugs. Just no, a it's thought. All, it, well, it starts, <laughs> it starts with the port workers too. But one thing, uh, one thing that was funny about Xi Jinping's visit is that Biden Biden's senile ass referred to Xi Jinping as a dictator yeah. to his face. No, to his not face. God. Yeah. And then, and then the Biden cabinet had to like you know run around and do damage control. Uh, but you, even did a, you see even it? after him being referred to as a dictator, Xi Jinping spoke before a uh, BRICS conference and urged uh, BRICS. For those of you not familiar with the acronym BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa to speak up for justice and peace in Gaza. Yes, and it wasn't just BRICS. It was also all of the countries that have been invited to BRICS. Mm-hmm. They like called an emergency assembly. You could see the flags behind him. There's too many like, flags. It's I can't recognize least, all the, I don't recognize all the flags. It's at least 15 flags. There's a yeah. ton of fucking flags back there. Um, I know like five flags total. Yeah. And like three of them are sexualities. Exactly. And <laughs> like a bunch of, you know, 
And especially these are flags from like historically oppressed regions where a lot of times, especially like in the Arab world, you'll have a theme and it's like, oh God, is that Syria or is that Egypt? I, I don't fucking remember right now. I know Saudi Arabia is green with a sword on it. The, the reason uh, they <laughs> call it vexillology is because it's so vexing. It's fucking confusing. They it's, should call it confusalology. Ve- <laughs> it's, quite, it's quite vexing. That's right. Uh, but yeah, Xi Jinping uh, stepped up and stood in front of, you know, a bunch of dignitaries and leaders from all of these countries and was like, hey, actually, uh, we should all be speaking up right now for justice and peace in Gaza. And he outlined a bunch of things. He was like, let's get the humanitarian corridor well established and make sure there's good international monitoring, that that is kept free and open. Let's make sure that all of the aid shipments are actually, you know, properly like medical and food and, and other kinds of clothing aid, stuff like that. And basically, he just said like the longest list of common sense things. And I like this because it's like, it's good to see world leaders who are in a position to do something about this actually step up and do something about it. But it also is a little confusing to me because this is coming at approximately the same time that we're seeing the negotiations for a ceasefire reach kind of a settled a settled point. And so I worry that maybe this is also in some ways a reflection of China's like unwillingness to actually enter into what they perceive as like tricky international political territory until it feels safe to a certain degree. Like if they had done this last week, it would have been an absolute shitstorm everywhere. You know, like people would have been freaking out and saying like, oh, China wants to take over Palestine and administer it and kick out all the Jews or whatever. And like, but now that there's a ceasefire agreement on the table, it is much safer to come out and say something like this. And I don't know if I should be like worried that that reflects like a, a, a flimsy commitment to what's going on or if it's just like one of the actual like political facts of right now is that China basically had to wait to do this. Well, for me, it's like uh, I've said it before, like BRICS is going to determine whether Israel-Gaza turns into World War III or whether it turns into another proxy conflict. And uh, and I think that they're falling on the side of being the reasonable adults in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, uh, as long as we're talking about, um, us, us interests around the world, there's one that there's a story that came across my, my laptop screen pretty recently that I was extremely confused about. And this is apparently the United States has reported that it has thwarted a plot by the Indian government to kill a Sikh separatist on American soil. So the financial times has reported citing unnamed sources that U.S. authorities thwarted a plot to kill this Sikh separatist and issued a warning to India over concerns the government in New Delhi was involved. And the paper identified Gurpatwant Singh Panun, who says that he is a dual citizen of the United States and Canada as the target of the foiled plot. The report comes two months after Canada said that there were quote-unquote credible allegations linking Indian agents to the June murder of a Sikh separatist leader, Hardip Singh Nijar, in a Vancouver suburb, which is something that India has also rejected. And so I am so confused because it's totally realistic to me that India's like secret services, whatever their CIA, MI6 equivalent kind of is, would do something like this. But I'm also starting to think that this is the kind of thing the CIA would definitely make up in mm-hmm. order to scare the Indian government into being a little bit softer in the way BRICS is approaching things because India of all the nations occupies this weird position where their government is super nationalist and conservative and like maybe one of the most right-wing governments in BRICS in general and like Russia is in there but also they have a very, very strong and long-standing trade and political relationship with China. And so threading the needle for somebody like Modi is going to take a level of skill I just haven't seen from the guy. <laughs> yeah, I feel like especially when, when the U.S. is like, yeah, we thwarted or like there's like was a plot that didn't actually happen. Mm-hmm. Like 99 times out of 100, it's because they like were basically grooming somebody to do it and then like arrested them at the 11th hour or were like creating chatter about it. And then we're mm-hmm. like, Oh, you better, we better get you better security because this might be happening. Like if there's not actually, cause they're not very good at actually stopping crimes or terrorist attacks of so this. Oh. If somebody wanted to kill this person, you probably would just be dead. 
It's not that hard to kill somebody. It's just yeah. hard to not go to jail for it. Yeah, yeah. Very true. <laughs> Four presidents is this a, have gotten is killed? This a Come different, on. This is the second time. This is this is because in September uh, another uh, Sikh separatist was killed by the Indian by like Indian operatives in Canada. Yeah, yeah, Hardeep Singh Nijar. So this is the second time that this has supposedly happened. But the but and this this time it was thwarted. You're saying? Yeah, the, the U.S. government claims that it was thwarted. So like this is I, this I don't is know. like this is the the thing. India needs to understand that you need to do this shit and make it look like an accident. Okay, you need mm, to pretend yeah. you're in a hitman hitman game. And if you want to kill a Sikh separatist on foreign soil, you need to look like he accidentally tripped into a bathtub, which set off a Rube Goldberg series of levers <laughs> and balls rolling down ramps that eventually caused a uh, an iron to fall into the bathtub or a toaster electrocuting him. <laughs> or you need to have him trick him into eating poison that knocks him out. And then you need to stuff him into a wardrobe and steal his clothing and they need to set the wardrobe on fire right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if we're going strictly by you know the hit, hitman games um oh, okay i was like when does when does that happen this happened I, yeah, I, I, I don't know if you can set the wardrobe I, on fire I, but i'm sure i love this assassin's creed mod for gary's mod that you're describing it's, <laughs> yeah, a, it's yeah, a shame yeah. that all the prompts are in hindi i can't read them <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no no, no 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 i mean like assassinations pl- take place all the time Every government is doing them. India is just getting fucking sloppy. Okay. Yeah. Because you can't well, you can't tell them to stop doing assassinations. That'd be like telling the United States government to stop doing assassinations. That is what's so funny about um, this supposed assassination attempt is that like whether you believe that both of these were real, the actual killing and the mm-hmm. attempt, or one was real and one is a story that's a spin on it, or they're both fake or whatever. The United States government getting upset that someone tried to kill someone on their soil is the <laughs> funniest case of political projection in the universe. Something that yeah. we literally do before lunch every day around the world. Yeah, the CIA is like an unauthorized killing on American soil. This is our territory. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. 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 And you know what it was? Did it's you clear like that this, with the FBI? The CIA <laughs> was probably like, um, hey, you're going you're gonna to kill somebody on our, our turf? not without kicking up a little to the boss. (laughs) Yeah, or they probably went to India and they were like, hey, uh, India, there's this Sikh separatist. Do you want a bunch of info on him so you can kill him? And India was like, sure, chomping at the bit, of course. And so we give them the info and then they try and we're like, nuh-uh-uh. Actually, you're a state enemy now because you have an economic relationship with China. (laughs) I mean, it could easily be that. How many times have we like blown up a boat? To, to say that another country like did some terrible shit so we can invade them. It would totally be normal to be like, oh yeah, India tried to kill a guy in uh, New York, wherever. I don't even know where this guy was. Yeah, where the fuck does this guy live? <laughs> where did they try to kill him? Was this in New York City or Chicago or was this in like Scranton, Pennsylvania? <laughs> What's <laughs> happening? It happened on the set of the, uh, where the Max Headroom show uh, thing happening. <laughs> yeah, so apparently um, a lot of people are pointing to the 1985 bombing of an Air India aircraft flying from Canada to India that killed like over 300 people for which Sikh militants were blamed. But I don't think we a, a straight answer was ever given on who was actually responsible for that. So this whole Sikh militants thing kind of reminds me of what the Indian government does domestically with urban Naxalites, which is kind of their like catch-all term for anybody who doesn't like the government. They're like, actually, you're a Maoist Naxalite. That and sounds you must so be put in badass. Jail. I yeah, that sounds really it cool. is. It's very badass. <laughs> yeah. I'm not 100% clear on what Naxalites actually are. I just know it's a favorite scare word of the... Mm-hmm. Uh, of the uh, Indian government. And then the other, the other kind of suspicious story relating to uh, military intelligence that's been going on recently is that U S forces have claimed that they were recently attacked by Iran backed militias in Iraq and responded in quote unquote self-defense. Again, mm-hmm. you are literally in Iraq. So I don't know. Why, <laughs> it why was self-defense. I just but, happened to be there doing nothing. Yeah. 
we were just hanging out in Baghdad. But uh, Iraqi Prime Minister Mohammed Shia al-Sudani apparently, according to this Reuters article, has limited control over the Iranian-backed militias whose support he needed to win power a year ago and who now form a powerful bloc in his governing coalition. I do not know if that is true or not. I don't know how much influence Iran has in the Iraqi government in general through militias or otherwise. But the U.S. military says that this strike on Tuesday evening targeted two facilities in Iraq. Uh, the statement said, quote, the strikes were in direct response to the attacks against U.S. and coalition forces by Iran and Iran-backed groups. And there was one really telling line in this article that I thought was so funny. There's one sentence that's its own paragraph, and it says this. At least 62 U.S. personnel have suffered minor injuries or traumatic brain injuries <laughs> in the attacks. <laughs> oh, interesting. They got a little hurt. The U.S. Or, government uh, always loves to say, we got brain damage. Weirdly. <laughs> I don't know how this keeps happening. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's one of the most common things that happen to soldiers. It's just like, yeah, they actually had a TBI. So if you're wondering why they're an insane, like, roided out freak trying to kill everyone, it was probably because of the TBI. I always love how, yeah, like, well, Iran-backed militias, like, everything that's bad, they always, in the Middle East, they always use the term Iran-backed. It's mm -hmm. like... uh a uh, an Iran-backed militia painted what looked like a tunnel on the side of a cliff face, and I drove <laughs> my car into it and crashed, emerging <laughs> from the driver's side door, my stomach undulating like an accordion. <laughs> this yeah, was done yeah. by an Iran-backed I mean, like, militia. You literally read a Reuters article like any day of the week that is like, Iran-backed elderly Palestinian walks up to IDF soldier and calls him <laughs> idiot pig. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was actually an Iran-backed militia, stole my phone and put grinder on it and sent a bunch of dick pics and then gave it back to me. I don't know what the fuck happened. That really perverted. Yeah, actually, an Iran-backed militia tried to kill a Sikh separatist at Paul Pelosi's house just yeah. this week. Uh, <laughs> a lot of crazy things are going down. We should definitely invade... I think the most populous country in the Middle East. <laughs> my uh, my beloved Kansas City Chiefs were defeated by the Iran-backed <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles, 20, <laughs> twenty-one to seventeen. Yeah, the my my Iran-backed stepmom burned the Thanksgiving turkey. <laughs> <laughs> My okay, my er, my Iran backed wife made me go in the cuck shed. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I, I just Googled what's the most populous country in the Middle East. And the internet says Egypt, mm. but like, okay, culturally part of the Middle East, but straight up Egypt is in Africa. Yeah. That's just a fact. And then it says followed no. by Turkey. Here's the deal. Turkey is in the EU. They want to be Europe so bad. I say, let them. No. Third most populous no. country. That's, that's Iran. So Iran is the real most populous Ira country in the dude, Middle dude, East. Dude, Iran is huge. <laughs> Iran is a huge country. It's People don't huge. fucking realize yeah. how big Iran is. And how yeah. like disastrous getting into a war with Iran would be. But to your point about Turkey, yeah. like uh, fuck, fuck Turkey, fuck those guys. All right, <laughs> that's Sorry. why they should join Europe. They deserve each other. <laughs> that, that, that's totally <laughs> fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they definitely deserve to be in the EU. Uh yeah, the coalition of fucking dipshits. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you want to accede to the fucking moron club? Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can leave like a fucking uh, yeah. moron that, like the UK did for no reason. Still one of the funniest <laughs> things that happened in the 21st century. Truly, because like Brexit is one of the most amazing things to me because it's like joining the European Union might have been a bad move. But once you're in, leaving is possibly the worst thing you could do. Yeah. Leaving like, for like no You benefit. really lock yourself in when you join. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you can only really leave if you if you have like all of the chips. If you, if yeah. you have like all the bargaining power and you can mm -hmm. negotiate an exit deal where you just win and win and win. Like then, yeah, like fucking leave. But if, if, you know, the UK really did like have to fucking like take a lot of L's on that mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, that's like, they just that's have to like renegotiate how... all the same trade deals, but worse because they weren't in the EU anymore. Yes. Mm -hmm. So funny. But literally that's uh, what you're describing. Leaving when you have all the chips is how the Netherlands was formed because oh. the, the, 
Dutch proto bourgeoisie were more industrial and finance motivated. And so they ran in tighter circles with one another and had a lot more money each individually compared to the German bourgeoisie who were much more agricultural. And so as Marx noted, the Dutch bourgeoisie decided that they didn't want to have to consult with the these petty landowners anymore. And they wanted to just break off and go do their own finance capital stuff. And so they did. <laughs> then Damn. they stole the spice trade. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, sorry, um, sorry, sorry to you know, present company excluded, John. I know you're Dutch. And Chris, are you Dutch? <laughs> no, I'm uh, German mostly. Okay, okay. You're 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 just from Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, unrelated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry, but everything Michigan, <laughs> it's different over there. Anyway, what I, want, what I wanted to say is everything people say about the Jews is like true and like 100 times worse about the Dutch. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's Fuck correct. The Dutch and actually. And, and, and if you look historically, I think that's actually where a lot of the stereotypes came from, because for a period during the Middle Ages, the Netherlands was one of the safest places for Jews in all of Europe. And so a lot of they were like game there. recognized game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not <laughs> necessarily, but <laughs> it's more like the Dutch are the Dutch do a kind of racism that is like, what makes me money? I'll do racism if <laughs> yeah. it makes me money, but if it doesn't make me money, I'll stop doing it. And that's very different from the racism in the rest of Europe. <laughs> so the, they, they let in a bunch of Jews, but then the, 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 the Dutch political climate became much more conservative. And for a period, it was actually very unsafe in the Netherlands to be a Jew. And so during that time, you imagine like who's better at projection than Dutch people. So they took all of their national character flaws and projected them onto Jews as as a as a group of people to take the heat off them and it worked people still don't hate the dutch to this day unjustly yeah no it is unjust <laughs> how how little uh <laughs> hatred the dutch get because they deserve far far more yeah, What's the like quote from Austin Powers? There's two things I can't stand. People who don't tolerate each other's cultures <laughs> and, and the, the Dutch. Dutch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people yeah, no, who are I mean, intolerant other people's if, cultures and the Dutch. If you if you go back and watch the Austin Powers movies, uh they're all they're all every single second is based and true. Uh there's nothing <laughs> problematic. Everything is one hundred percent right. Uh they got everything right. Those movies hold up. There's it, nothing that doesn't play well today. <laughs> If you had asked me what movies do you think will age well back when Austin Powers movies were coming out, Austin Powers movies would have been at the absolute bottom of my list right next to <laughs> whose line is it anyway? But shockingly, those are two of the best aged things in the present day. Absolutely. Like literally yeah. everybody, I was remarking on this on Work Stoppage, literally Everybody who is a permanent fixture on Whose Line Is It Anyway has turned out to be one of the best dudes in entertainment. Like yeah, Drew Carey picked up uh, an estimated million dollar tab for striking um, SAG and WGA writers and actors at this um, restaurant that he really likes. He was like, just eat for free while you're on strike. I'll mm-hmm. pick it up. Wayne Brady has proven himself to be the funniest, nicest guy in entertainment over and over again. Colin Mockery is like super fucking supportive of his trans kid and has come out and said a bunch of really cool shit and i think ryan styles spends all of his time and money supporting like a public um like like community theater program somewhere in washington they're just like That's all awesome. really good yeah. dudes and and <laughs> uh, and and mike myers went around sexually in in costume sexually harassing movie theater executives <laughs> as austin powers <laughs> as as austin powers yeah no he did his part for the sag strike nice. speaking of the sag that's strike, an incredible play of jester's privilege <laughs> i mean that's like how, how do you even get to that level <laughs> oh man i well, can't, I can't the, say mad at you mike you got me speaking of the sag strike cillian murphy uh released a statement recently that uh you know during the sag strike he had nothing to do <laughs> yeah. So they they asked him, "What have you been doing?" And he said, "I've been sitting at home, eating cheese." <laughs> and I gotta say, <laughs> you know, I didn't see Oppenheimer. I like Peaky Blinders. It's a good show, but this man has never been more relatable to me than he is <laughs> at this exact moment. <laughs> I, I am become death, eater of cheese. <laughs> yeah, it, it's always yeah. great. Like I feel like some actors always want to pretend that they're busy, and they're like. Oh yeah, I've actually been like writing a play, a one-man play, or I'm like working on recording my album. But I like the actors that are just honest, where they're like, "Yeah, I get paid like three million dollars to make a movie, so I work on it for five months, and then I have like two months off. I'm literally just sitting at home eating cheese. Wouldn't you be? <laughs> mm-hmm. I would be. 
It is really funny when they ask like really famous people, like, you know, what are, what are your, you know, what's something you can't live without? What are your like big treats? And they're like, you know, I love Triscuits. (laughs) They just have this great, this great texture to them. And they're like, could you give me a little more? And they're like, you know, they're great with like an olive or a tomato. So good. (laughs) Just anything that's on the back of the box. Honestly, you can't go wrong with those. Like any of those little like treat ideas, just make them and they're good. Love a party favor. I'm also reminded of that. Um, that interview Larry King did with Danny Pudi after he got off of Community and he oh, was on yeah. like Ducktales, and he was like, "What? What's a what's a uh, luxury you can't live without?" And he's like, "I don't know, coffee." And he's like, "Coffee's <laughs> coffee's not a luxury." And he's like, "Well, what's a luxury, Larry?" And Larry King goes, "I don't know, uh, a private plane." <laughs> <laughs> and Danny's just like, "Larry, I'm on Ducktales." <laughs> I love that clip. <laughs> <laughs> private plane larry what the fuck are you talking that's what i also love about cillian murphy's thing is like sitting at home eating cheese feels super attainable to me like yeah. i could also do i that. do that all the time yeah, yeah. It's, it's doable yes. but it's like it's great if you're like i don't have anything to worry about i don't have anywhere to be or anyone to impress i'm just gonna chill with my family and eat cheese incredible but imagine, I also imagine if you what had kinds like of cheese yeah if, imagine if you had hollywood money right yeah, like because yeah. i like to do a cheese plate like uh, my favorite thing to do if I want to sample like a few different kinds of cheeses, but I don't want to commit to a cheese. Mm-hmm. You, you ever, you ever mm-hmm. have this issue? Like you go to the cheese counter yep. at a supermarket, they've got all kinds of different cheese, but it's like in portions that are like slightly larger. So what I like about you go to the cheese counter at Whole Foods, they have the bucket of cheese ends, mm, okay. right? Where they're, oh. the pieces are too small to go in the regular cheese selection, but you could like just try like maybe a really like a, a really small amount of a cheese. If you're not sure you're going to like it, this is especially true, like soft cheeses and like the mm-hmm. more, the more obscure cheeses, you know, your, your auteurs yeah. cheeses, right? And yeah, uh, your Roquefort, your Stilton, yeah. your Epoisson, your, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I, li- I like to get a little selection from there. And then when you like really dial in what cheeses you like, that's when you commit to the larger piece of cheese, mm-hmm. right? That's when you go to Costco and you get the four pound aged uh, Dubliner. You gotta wonder the waxy get, paper. Oh, that shit's so fucking good. You gotta wonder, like, with favorite. Cillian Murphy's money, he's gotta be getting some crazy cheeses. Yeah. Oh, probably yeah. cheeses we've never and especially even heard of. Li- well, like, and where does he live too? Like, he probably lives in like fucking London or whatever. Um, lives where? Lives in a gorgeous family in the Monkstown area of South Dublin. Oh, he lives Hell in yeah. Dublin. You know this guy's eating the best cheeses you've never heard of. Yeah. yeah. All the great semi-softs, all the stinkies, all the aged hard <laughs> ones. He's probably got smoked howda. He's probably got everything, man. Yeah. I like how they use the picture of... Cillian Murphy from Oppenheimer for this disgusting film <laughs> article where, where they're reporting yeah. on him saying that he ate a lot of cheese mm-hmm. where he's like holding his head with his hands and he's got this look on his face like what have I done because I often find myself making that same face the night or the morning after I eat all of the cheese in my fridge <laughs> yeah you gotta make sure you eat some green things with that cheese plate man throw yeah. some fucking like broccoli down throw down some pickles you're gonna want to put some olives on there cornichons i have I like nine different with types my cheese plate. i have nine different types of pickles in my fridge i went and got i went to amish <laughs> country and i got br- like amish bread and butter pickles i got half sours i got uh kosher dill spears i got uh cornichons I got like I have fucking every I have pickled beets, I have pickled garlic. Oh my god. I have all I have every I have kimchi. I have everything pickled that you're, you can think of. This man is straight drinking vinegar. <laughs> He's just <laughs> chugging it you're straight from the plastic container. You were just I do I do really in. like vinegar. I don't know. I, I, it's good. Fermented shit's <laughs> good too. for you. It's good. Sometimes sometimes I just like you know, I like uh, apple cider vinegar. Apple you know, cider vinegar is delicious. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. It'll really clear out your sinuses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so, something else that'll clear out your sinuses is if Senator Mark Wayne Mullen jams his fingers up your nose. I'm sorry, which, what? You know, this is his name, Mark Wayne think, Mullen? His name is Mark Wayne Mullen. So he's got two first names as a first name, which is demented. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Wayne, not something I've heard of before. Yeah. And then, notably, this is also the guy who at the uh, Senate hearing where uh, the... Uh, 
three of the big labor leaders from the United States were testifying in front of Congress. Senator Mark Wayne Mullen challenged uh, Sean O'Brien to a fight, nice. saying, stand your butt up. <laughs> to which Sean O'Brien said, you stand your butt up. <laughs> and then Brooklyn <laughs> Mullen tried to stand up and take off his jacket to fight Sean O'Brien. To Hell which yeah. Bernie Sanders, oh, of yeah, all people, that guy. an elderly man, <laughs> grabs Mark Wayne Mullen and goes, you're a United States senator. Sit down. <laughs> <laughs> that rules. Oh, man. Yeah, I have to be honest. I saw, like, in, in our notes, you didn't say Senator Mark Wayne Mullen. You just said Mark Wayne Mullen. When I saw that name, I was yeah. like, surely this is some YouTuber I've never heard of who has five <laughs> million subscribers and he's like 25 this yeah, is not this the name guy of a sounds statesman like a, Mark like a Wayne? star bmx rider or something yeah, what, this is what not is the name, name of a <laughs> politician change your name if that if it's mark wayne that's insane maybe they like it where he's from what, what state is he from oh i don't know um <laughs> hold on one sec i will find out i was googling that famous snowboarder so i could make a, sh- a sean oh, mullen oklahoma joke, but, he's an oklahoma legislator oh, okay. oh, that's maybe, normal that this is normal, normal there. out there yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sticking your fucking uh, fingers up someone's nostrils and being named mark <laughs> wayne is fine if you're an oaky <laughs> <laughs> they call it having an um, oklahoma normal one <laughs> But okay, so according to this Business Insider article, the wife of a former Republican congressman said that Senator Mark Wayne Mullen put his fingers in the noses of sleeping congressional spouses for photo ops on a trip to Israel. (laughs) So Cappy Trot, the wife of former Representative David Trot, described the story to Politico on Friday. Uh, The event occurred amidst a trip to Israel in 2015 with the American Israel Public Affairs Committee alongside nearly 40 members of Congress and some of their spouses. Once they landed in Israel, following a laborious travel schedule, she told the publication they jumped onto buses headed for a kibbutz for a demonstration of the country's Iron Dome defense. Uh, And on the bus, many of the spouses of U.S. legislators took the opportunity to sleep. So Mark Wayne Mullen went up and down the bus, sticking his finger in the noses of the dozed off passengers. And she said, quote, this idiot starts walking up and down the bus with his camera and anyone who fell asleep, he would put his finger in their nose and take a picture. (laughs) (laughs) That's some dedication to the bit. He probably was tired, too. He could have used a nap and he was just like, no, I have to do this. It's this so is this is literally also, this like, is this is Al Franken if he were also an ENT. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot Al I Franken. Just, if, if, where instead are the of, photos? If instead of touching a sleeping woman's breast, he was just performing an ear, nose, and throat exam. <laughs> I can't. Here's the thing: I have tried to find these photos that he supposedly took all over the place, and I can't find a single fucking one of them. They so it seems them. like he They're was. Scrubbed. He was stupid enough to do it, but smart enough to like not post them to Instagram. <laughs> He's keeping it for himself. <laughs> to which I have to say, like, world's smartest Oklahoman. Like, yeah. <laughs> honestly, the perfect yeah, I'm crime. Yeah. What's gonna happen? Someone talks about it years <laughs> later. Yeah, big whoop. If there's no pictures, no one cares. It's crazy. It's crazy <laughs> that a photo like that didn't get out because, like, it's so easy. Like, the minute something gets shared to, like, uh, you know, the, you know, the lowest, like, the interns in his office or like a, a congressional mm-hmm. page or something, like, it's out. It's fucking everywhere. Mm-hmm. For them to somehow prevent that from happening is honestly extremely impressive to me. It's kind of crazy, yeah. Yeah, so apparently this story was spurred on by that fight that I mentioned oh, yeah. uh, during the Senate hearing that that Bernie Sanders stopped. And according to this Business Insider article, Mark Wayne Mullen has since gone on a press tour about the incident, telling one <laughs> podcast that he's, quote-unquote, not afraid of biting his opponents during a fight. So not only has he stuck his fingers up people's nostrils on a trip to a kibbutz, he also has insinuated that he would like to physically bite Sean O'Brien with his teeth. Honestly based. I I don't care where I bite, by the way. It's just going to be a bite. That's a really weird thing to say. I, I said this a long time ago on this podcast, but we need more politicians that fight each other. Yeah. Like physically. <laughs> like they should be beating each other up. I mean, Hopefully here's the thing, though, is like Mark Wayne Mullen is just, he's just some soft dude who probably inherited his dad's money in fucking Oklahoma because his dad ran like a, a fucking, like, you know, construction company where he underpaid immigrant workers for like 50 years. Mm-hmm. And then he thought that he was going to be able to win a fight against Sean O'Brien, a guy who literally was a fucking teamsters driver for how many fucking years anybody who's ever driven a truck would instantly ether any sitting senator i'd i'd say that with the utmost confidence (laughs) absolutely (laughs) 
Hell, the, hell I yeah. Could probably I probably beat up Mark it. Wayne Mullen. <laughs> yeah, I would too. And you, you could tell that Sean O'Brien was a little upset that he didn't get the chance to prove that he's tougher <laughs> than <laughs> Yeah, if they're not going to do anything to help us, at least make politicians and politics more entertaining, more like gladiator duels, more fights, more murder, <laughs> all that stuff. Well, speaking of a filthy hog that I could probably beat up in a fight. Easily. <laughs> uh, the Associated Press is reporting that a population of hard-to-eradicate super pigs in Canada super are threatening pigs. to invade the U.S. Um, so apparently the uh, super pig population, which is created when wild hogs breed with captive pigs, so they get larger because of the hog DNA, they also get smarter because of the uh, livestock pig DNA. Oh. And uh, mm. it's threatening to spill south of the border and northern states like Minnesota, North Dakota, and Montana are taking steps to stop the invasion. To which I That's say, so interesting. why is nobody talking about this border crisis? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting, too, because it's like, these it's a specialty like type of animal right like they're super dangerous because of the conditions that created them and like nature does this sometimes too like there's a type of lion in africa where like the river delta shifted and so where they used to be able to get on and off of this peninsula it's now become an island mm -hmm. and so previously they would leave to go hunt smaller prey but the only thing that they can kill on this island are like super huge like water buffalo like bison type things Sick. and so the lions have gradually become specialized to hunt these gigantic animals and so they're like hundreds of pounds larger than regular lions and super yeah. jacked all over <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome <laughs> like is that what's happening to the pigs at the canadian border now <laughs> yeah i love too that it's like this problem is relatively recent uh, like this article says they've roamed parts of north america for centuries canada's problem dates back only to the 1980s when it encouraged farmers to raise wild boar the market collapsed after peaking in 2001, <laughs> oh my and God. some frustrated farmers simply cut their fences, setting the animals free. It turned out the pigs were very good at surviving Canadian winters. So they just like had wild, the government was like, raise wild pigs. And then people stopped buying them and farmers were like, whatever, fuck this. And oh set them my free. God. And now they've this just been like ridiculous. spreading in, in the wild. Surviving the, the winter. The government <laughs> paid farmers to raise these fucking ravenous killing machines. <laughs> that and then rules. Let them get free. Yeah. And then now they're just out there. It should not, it should never be left out of any conversation about the feral hog problem that it was literally caused by government meddling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's also really funny that that weird right-wing gun control guy who posted the 30 to 50 feral hogs tweet is rapidly becoming redeemed on the level of like the McDonald's coffee and lap lady. He was right He's from so day correct. one. He was he right from day one. Feral hogs. Yeah. Everyone what you, just didn't what understand. <laughs> Like, uh, on one hand, yes, I think that the fucking hell, like, the guys that pay, like, $1,700 to spend 15 minutes shooting at p the feral hogs from a helicopter with a Gatling gun. Yeah. That's a little, that's more lifestyle. This is, that's lifestylist. Yeah. The, the guy psycho who keeps, like, a, a couple of AR-15s with extended mags so they can pre protect his children when they're playing in the yard from 30 to 50 feral hogs. He is a, he's literally the, the hog proletariat, right? So the, <laughs> it's also the guys really that funny. are doing the, the helicopter trips are more the, 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 the decadent bourgeoisie of the scenario. Yeah. It, it's also really funny to imagine some guy who's just like, like a really kind hearted, genuine guy who lives in like rural Northern Montana or mm -hmm. something. <laughs> He's just like, yep. You know, I let the kids out into the yard and they're playing real good out there. The feral hogs, they come around. All you got to do blast a big semicircle <laughs> right around the kids safe as they can be. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you guys ever seen Steve Harvey uh, do stand up about uh, the war in Iraq and in, in Afghanistan and like 2004 i don't think so he's like i don't think I, so no. you, you're not gonna send me to afghanistan you're not gonna send me to iraq i'll be shooting every damn buddy what that's me that's me with the feral hogs i hear a twig snap is that a feral hog <laughs>
Oh, it's like that. Um, I love like uh, Bush era stand-up clips. Those have been coming back around though, because yeah. like that David Cross one hit, hit the internet where he's like, "I oh, yeah, I don't think that um, uh, you know." the 9-11 attacks happened because they hate our freedoms. I think they happened because uh, U.S. military cooperation with Israel and bases all over Saudi Arabia. Why do I think that? Because that's what he fucking said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I remember in uh, Are we a nation school. of six-year-olds? <laughs> Answer, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember listening to that special and it's like, wow, I'm getting a lot more information from this comedy special than I do like reading a newspaper or like a magazine or something. It's weird. Yeah, chewing it over at like age 15 or whatever. And you're like, hmm, I think the bald guy from Mr. Show really has a point. <laughs> <laughs> We've really come full circle on. I get my comedy from the news and my news from the comedy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except we didn't realize that what you actually needed wasn't Jon Stewart, some smug bitch flipping a pen behind a desk. Yeah. What you needed was David Cross, some weird bald guy <laughs> who probably f sits under a blacklight poster smoking weed telling you cool. <laughs> shit about the government <laughs> and that's right hell yeah well on the note of defending your children from feral hogs this podcast wants to encourage everybody to go and get an ar-15 with an extended mag and practice your big semicircle, preferably with your actual children in the yard for <laughs> yeah, you're gonna need to know what it's like when the feral John hogs is are there joking you All won't right. have time to practice. The, the feral hogs are coming in over the northern border folks yeah. all right <laughs> Look, if you're a real man who respects his heritage and roots, you will hunt the feral hogs with a 70-pound longbow like God intended. <laughs> no, no, no. But, uh, thank you. Look, if you're at Thanksgiving dinner and one of your elderly relatives is like, I heard on, on Fox News that the Hamas terrorists are coming in over the southern border, you hit them with the, yeah, well, I heard that 100 times more feral hogs, hog moss, are coming in yeah. over the northern border from Canada. <laughs> so why don't you Iran care about that feral hogs? Iran That's the episode. Not. <laughs> That's the episode title right there. Hell yeah. All right. Beep on, everybody. All right. Goodbye. Beep on, everybody. Listen Happy to the other shows. Follow us. Whatever. <laughs>